about today have to do with chapter 1 verses 12 through 18 and then we're going to combine verses 19 through 26. One of those questions that we have in chapter 1 verses 12 through 18 is what were Paul's circumstances and how did he see them advancing the gospel? How did Paul use the mind of the Messiah to reframe his circumstances? Who are the others who are preaching the gospel from bad motives? And how did they actually serve to advance the gospel? What other examples are there of biblical characters unintentionally proclaiming the Messiah? And how did the church defend the gospel in terms of its positive impact on society. So we'll address those questions in this edition of Lighthouse Podcast in Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through 18. And then we'll go on into verses 19 through 26 after that. through 18 in Philippians chapter 1 and we'll have a, a good discussion here for a little bit before getting on into verses 19 through 26. So what we have here in, in, in the letter to the Philippians is a 
a, a, a kind of a circumstance where Paul is having issues processing what his reality will be for the next, uh, for the future, for the near future. So we have those questions on our handout, and um, we have these circumstances that Paul finds himself in. He's in prison, and it's likely that he's in prison in Ephesus, and uh, he also wants to, to explain to the Philippians that these circumstances are not hindering his cause or the advancement of the gospel. So why don't we read that uh, as we ponder these questions. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And the most and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others do others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So what we have here are some interesting statements that are you know, very familiar to many of us uh, who have read Philippians. And we see Paul in a situation here where he explains to them uh, first of all, that he is surrounded by the Imperial Guard. Uh, Rome had Imperial Guard in different places in, in major cities in the Roman Empire, throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, you remember the Praetorium um, and uh, the idea of Jesus being in that situation, I believe, here with uh, Pontius Pilate. So you had uh, the imperial guard, which was a sign of Rome's uh, imperial uh, emperor's power. And you had that idea uh, here with Paul that he is in prison, uh, imprisoned as well, uh, with them listening to him talk about the fact that there's another emperor. So this is why he is in prison and... He is saying, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel yeah, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. In other words, uh, the Greek word for Christ is king. Um, when you say that in the Roman Empire, that, that is, uh, you know, you're saying that whoever is emperor at the time is not emperor. Uh, you're, you're basically threatening the entire establishment with with saying that Jesus is king or emperor or ruler. And so there has to be some explaining about that. And Paul is on trial or he's awaiting a case for that. So his circumstances, um, even though he's in prison, uh, even though he's being guarded by the imperial guard, it's actually helping 
the news get out. Uh, and so Paul uh, uses what uh, we're calling the mind of the Messiah to reframe his circumstances. And so what many would see as horrible circumstances, Paul is saying, well, you don't actually, um, you actually probably can't see that this has actually been a benefit for the gospel. So because of that, it's not for me maybe personally, uh, but because it's for the gospel, then I am glad about that. And so that's how he uses the mind of the Messiah to reframe his circumstances. Jesus doesn't think about himself so much uh, in, in regard to his circumstances and how, well, this might look bad if I say this or that about God. Uh, he thinks about what is best for God, and this is the same kind of mentality. So there are others in, those, um, in the second half of those verses. Um, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. And so you, that's a very interesting statement that Paul is going to make. Uh, because it seems like that, that there are rival Christian preachers trying to outdo one another or trying to uh, hurt Paul. But I think that there's, there's differences in the wording uh, that we don't understand in English and are maybe not exactly uh, easy to translate. But what is most likely happening is that Paul is in a circumstance where, where people are talking about Jesus uh, as being proclaimed as the Christ, as the emperor in a, even if it's in a negative news press kind of way, uh, even if the media attention is bad, um, it's, it's, the topic is still Jesus. So this is what I think that Paul is trying to uh, initiate for the Philippians in his explanation of why all of this is really serving to advance the gospel. Uh, even though there are some out there who are um, more emboldened, uh, more courageous to preach, uh, there are also others out there who want to do him harm, uh, want to get rid of him. But all of that is, he understands, is not a personal uh, attack. He understands it as really all of this attention that is being given is good attention because somebody is is going to have to come to terms with Jesus being king. And that's what the news uh, of the gospel does. That's what the good news of Jesus is all about. It's good news for some, uh, not always good for others because they're unable to process it. So what we have, again, is a is a situation where Paul is in and he's explaining why he feels the way he feels. And so the, uh, the question about um, how did the church defend the gospel in terms of its positive uh, impact on society, they had, to, they had to have people explain it, uh, just like we do. Um, it's not a subversive movement in the same kind of subversive ways that um, most everything in life is. Um, the gospel will 
turn things upside down, but it's actually turning them upside down for the right reasons and for good reasons and for godly reasons. So I think what we have uh, in, in these few verses in Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 18, is Paul is imitating Jesus, and we're seeing the life of Jesus played out also in his apostles, especially in Paul. And we see that um, the king is still being named. And so if you're wondering, that's, that's why we uh, took this song here about Jesus having the, the name um, or having the name above all names, King. And so uh, we, we want to remember uh, that as we study. So I'm going to transition into the next few verses, uh, 19 through 26, here in just a moment. We'll be at home. we get back into the verses 19 through 26, why don't we just talk about those things here and those questions that we're going to ask in our handout as well. Um, we have what Old Testament book does Paul quote from and how does he see it applying to his situation? How can uh, Paul claim that his circumstance will turn out for his salvation even if he dies? And as Paul wrestles with the possibility that he may die, how does his sense of kingdom vocation shape his belief that he will go on living? And then there is a, a very challenging question there uh, in, the, in the Understanding Paul section. According to the New Testament, what happens after death and what happens after that? So we have some, we have some big things to talk about, but... We'll just take a few minutes here and uh, do that so that we can talk about those more in class. Verses 19 through uh, 26 in first uh, chapter of Philippians. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, or some versions say salvation. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be uh, at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I'm to live on in the flesh, uh, that means fruitful labor for me. Uh, and yet which I, which, which I shall choose, I can't tell. And I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to part and be with Jesus, but 
uh, that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in, in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ, Jesus, because of my coming to you again. So here we have in, in this uh, last uh, part uh, nearing the end of, of chapter uh, uh, 1 in Philippians, we have this idea, these ideas here where Paul is wrestling with the idea of what's going to happen to him. And maybe um, people have those same thoughts in their, uh, or, or questions in their heart right now, because um, here, here's an interesting thing for Paul. Uh, he, he uses a quote uh, from an Old Testament book that many of us are familiar with, and he sees it applying um, to his situation. And he's going to use a quote in, in the beginning verses, I believe, there. He says, this will turn out uh, for my salvation or for my deliverance. And you actually have him, I think, quoting or reflecting on Job 13, and in Job 13, you, you have this idea uh, that uh, Job is considering himself vindicated, even though he has his three friends who are, they don't really act as friends. They come and they're accusing, they kind of say, well, you, it must have been something you did. In other words, your circumstances are because of you had to do something. So uh, Job, he wants to, he says, even if I die, or I, I think he, he says, even if I die, you're going to, uh, he's going to be vindicated one way or the other. So this is, this is a very interesting thing for Paul to reflect on right in the middle of uh, all, all of these circumstances that he finds himself in. And we, we, have, we have this chapter in Job, and I'm going to see if I can read this for us. Um, for Job, he will say, uh, let me begin in, in verse uh, 13, let me have silence and I will speak and let come on me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Uh, yet I will argue my ways to his face. This will be my salvation or deliverance that the godless shall not come before him. Keep listening to my words and let my declaration be in your ears. Behold, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be in the right. Who is there who, is there who will contend with me? For then I would be silent and die. Only grant me two things, that I will not hide my face from your face, hide myself from your face, withdraw your hand far from me, and let not dread of you terrify me then i then call and i will answer or let me speak and you reply to me uh, and, and how many are my iniquities and my sins so you have an exchange uh, with uh, job where god is speaking uh, and you have this idea of him talking about this uh, death that is coming and this is, this is very interesting for me. This is something that was new to me. 
as I studied this. And uh, I, I didn't know that Paul would have quoted from Job. I don't even know uh, that many people in the New Testament who might quote from Job. But he's seeing uh, this, how it applies to his situation. And he's using that passage about how God is going to vindicate him. And so you have this, this question, in other words, how can Paul claim his circumstance will turn out for his salvation even if he dies? Well, it's because he's, he's not guilty. Um, he will be delivered to be with God. Um, he will be with Christ. This is, the, this is the strange thing. He says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. But I'm hard-pressed between the two, um, for that is, it's far better to depart and be with Christ. So what, what he means when he dies, this is one of the rare moments in, in the New Testament where you hear um, somebody speak about immediately after death. Where does the believer go immediately after death? They go to be with Jesus. They go to be with Christ, the King. And so Paul considers that, I mean, look at what has happened to him, his shipwrecks, his trials of the churches, you know, agonizing him, all of those things. It'd be far better in his mind to just go ahead and, and pass away and go to be with Jesus. But he also knows that he, that's not his place really to tell. And it is highly likely that he is going to be delivered uh, as he's been delivered before. But it's highly likely that he'll be delivered and go on working for the gospel. And that's what he's talking about um, in regard to he wrestles with the possibility that he may die. Um, but his sense of kingdom vocation shapes his belief that this is probably not true. So in despite of the worst circumstances... Um, in, dis in despite of what it, you know, it looks like he's guilty, despite of the fact that everybody thinks he could be guilty, or most people think he's guilty, um, God's done stranger things, just like what he did with Jesus. Every, you know, the world, the disciples betrayed Jesus, and then guess what? God doesn't. Uh, God vindicates him. God raises him from the dead. And so this will um, give a little bit of help for our, according to the New Testament, what happens after death. Well, obviously, I think that Paul is telling us we, we go to be with Jesus, but that's not the end of the story. There is a resurrection uh, that we have to refer to his other writings that he speaks in great detail about. And that is the end of the old story in the, in the, in the beginning or launching of a completely new one where we have a new body. So we have a, a, a very strong feeling about Paul uh, in, in what he's thinking. And he's thinking all the time about King Jesus. And there is nothing in his mind <laughs> that is a better circumstance than being with the king. And as he proclaims uh, this good news or this news rather to the imperial guard uh, which could put him in further jeopardy 
he continues to he continues to tell it, and they hear it, and they're talking about it, and others um, outside of his chains are talking about it, uh, even though they're trying to add pressure to his case, kind of like a court case where the public would want him convicted. You 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 see the same thing happening with Jesus, where you have uh, crucify him, crucify him being shouted. Uh, by those who should be in support of him. But it's the same thing happening to Paul in this circumstance where he's in prison. So what we have here is something to think about uh, in these verses 18 through 12 through 26. So what we have is a great um, opportunity for Jesus. I'm glad that you could be with me today. Thank you for listening to another Lighthouse podcast. We'll be at home. The war will be Thank you.